Psalm 82, verse 6. I said, you are God, and all of you are children of the Most High. I say you are God, all of you who are children of the Most High. The children of the Most High are reckoned with by God himself to be gods. And like we said last week, the whole intention of God from creation has been to have gods. A people who will be gods on the earth. A people who can take charge of his creation, just as it presides over the affairs of heaven. He wants a people who under him will take charge as gods on the earth. We said this is part of our identity. We have said since the beginning of the year, God has been showing us who we are. We are sons and heirs. We are priests and we are kings. We are overcomers. And now God is saying, we should understand also that we are God. As his children, as his sons, we are God. And unless we know who we are and we stand in the place where we can play our roles, we saw some some scary things that could happen. Verse five five tells us of the chaos that will happen to the earth. And wherever you see chaos, just know that the gods are failing to be gods. They are no longer where they should be. We blame certain things on God, the capital G-O-D, and God said, no, that responsibility I actually relinquished (laughs) to God's. And the second one is even more scary. So we will just live and die as mere men, ordinary men, with nothing in our life to make a difference between us and those who never knew him. Wow. And I think that's scary. Which means to be sons of God, to be children of the most high God, is not a small thing. And we must never consider it to be a small thing. Because it will be a tragedy. It will be a failure on our side. That even though we confess to be born again, we pass through life as ordinary people will do. With nothing special. With no difference. 
except for the title we carry, Christians. The more I look at this, the more it challenges my heart that this Christianity has value to it. This being called children of God has so much value to it that we have barely scratched the surface of what this actually should mean for each and every one of us. And so, we wanted to just look, I don't want to go about that introduction again, other than to look, we, I actually went into that. We're going to be looking today, possibly by the grace of God, as the, the Lord permits, we'll continue that next Sunday. We want, to be, we want to look first at the nature and attributes of gods, the gods, the gods. These people God called gods, which actually includes you and I their nature and their attributes. So we'll be looking at the nature and the attributes of the gods. <laughs> Who God is referring to here. And can I quickly tell you that every other kind of God, you know that God never recognized them as true God because they are called idols, false gods. They are in the sight of God. They are no gods at all. If God recognized gods on the earth, it's you and it's I. <laughs> Hallelujah. We are. Mark may not understand this, but for those who come from Africa, you know how much people fear the gods, the idols. But really, if we know who we are, there will be no gods at all. But there's something to learn. I decided to go and look at the origin the origin of the word idols because of something. And do you know that those ones people refer to as gods, actually, because this is going to lead me to the next thing we are going to say quickly. Do you know that actually the word idol, which I understand from the French root word is spelled idol, uh, I-D-O-L-E with either, or if you want to look at Latin, Idolum or something like that. Uh, and in Greek, Hedos. Do you know that actually what this all means is their image, image of a deity. They are actually representative of a being. So they are just, they are there to represent a deity. So what you see, what people bow for, it's not actually the thing they are bowing for. They believe there is a deity, there is a spirit behind it. There is an unseen being 
behind. So they are just representing, they are fronting for. So there's the spirit behind every idol when we people set up. Hallelujah. Even though they refer to those ones as the gods, but actually it's a reference to a deity behind them. So gods, even, even to the unbelieving, they're actually not the physical object themselves. They all recognize that there's, there's a spirit behind it. That's why they call them gods. Are you following the point I'm making this morning? This is in, in important because those physical things that people can see, they take their reference from a being behind them. And so for us to understand the nature and the attribute of the gods, who we are. I'm not referring to us. I'm not referring to idols. So I've labeled all of those ones, idols and false gods. In the sight of God, that's what they are. God record, did not reckon them as gods. If God says gods on the earth, it meant you and I. Because we are created in his own image and in his own likeness. So our nature is actually derived from ease. For anyone to be qualified to be included in this group of gods, there are certain attributes they must have. There is a nature they must possess. And that has to be derived from God, the big G-O-D. I said this last week, but just for us to flow into this. So the first thing that we want to look at in terms of nature is that gods share in the divine nature. The gods, they share in the divine nature. And Genesis 1.26 actually tells us this. Can someone then read that for me? Because that's where we stopped last week. So we want to move on from there. Genesis 1.26. Just that verse alone will do for now. Genesis 1 verse 26. I want us to be fast because, you know, we have just a few minutes. Oh, so if we are not fast enough, said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Praise God. So, like we said last week, God, having made man, the intention of God, having made man in his own image and likeness, according to his own likeness, talking about nature and attributes, in essence, 
he was saying, let us create God. However, man fell from that, which we said on Friday, you know, coincidentally, man fell from that status. Man fell from that height. In fact, do you know that the Psalm 8, which we read a quotation of it from in Hebrews 2 on Friday, whilst we were dealing with other things or in, in terms of restoration. Do you know, and for those of you who have listened to me for a while, you will understand that when the scripture says, can somebody turn to that? I think that should be verse, uh, what verse is that now? It said, what is man that you have been mindful of him and the son of man that you are so, what verse is that? Four. Four, okay, can somebody read from verse four? just to follow that Genesis chapter, chapter 1. If you read it from verse 4, just read from verse 4. Psalm 8 from verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all the sheep and oxen, beasts of the field, birds of the air, fish of the sea, that pass through the paths of the seas. Praise God. Now, I want you to quickly look up. Do you know that that verse, I think that should be verse 6, that says you have made him a little lower than the angels. Five. Actually, the, the translation of it, if you look at that word translated angels, is actually Elohim. It's actually Elohim. The translators, even though it could be it could be translated in many different ways as the mighty ones and so on, so they chose the, the easiest one because it was too weighty to understand that what God was saying, he made him a little lower than Elohim, God himself. That's right. Do you understand that? So actually, man was not created below the rank of angels. Actually, man was created to be above the angels because the world is not put, the angels are not put in charge of the world to come. That's what Hebrews was telling us. Man had a ranking that is higher than angels. Hebrews chapter one tells us that, that they are just ministering spirits sent to serve us. Wow. And that is who we are. We are not rating ourselves to be in the, in the same rank as God, as the Godhead, but he has made us to be God, just a little lower than himself. Angels are to serve us. We are not to serve angels. We are not to worship angels because of where God has put us. And so when you see people who are given to the worship of angels, like Colossians was trying to say, they have erred already. It's because of the fallen state of man that they became, they began to worship angels. May the Lord himself grant us understanding of this truth in Jesus' name. So we share in the divine nature. Because of the fall of man, we fell short of that glory, but Jesus now came to restore us. So that once again, we can reflect, we can carry the very 
divine nature. Hallelujah. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. John 1, 12 and 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Born of God. So that's who we are. We are given right to be called sons of God, children of God, not born by the will of man. So once a man becomes born again, he ascends beyond the natural nature, beyond the normal human nature. He carries a nature that is divine. He carries a nature that is called the divine nature. He has the privilege, he has come into the privilege of sharing in the divine nature. And whatever, whoever shares in the divine nature is reckoned with by God as God's. Because we carry his gene, we carry his image, we carry his likeness. That is who we are. Whether we develop, we grow up to live in that realm is another thing entirely. But by nature, that is who we are. First John chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. First John chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Loudly. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. Okay. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Okay, that's fine. Now, what we are simply talking about it is a, there's a distinction. There are those who carry the life of God in them, which other translations say the seed of God or the DNA of God or the sperma of God. That's what it means in them. So they carry a nature that is different from the rest of creation. The very life of God is in them. That is what we receive when we became born again, the very nature of God. And those who carry those, that nature are the people God call gods. They are partakers of the divine nature. According to 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, in 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, am I there? Yes, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, tells us the, about this divine nature. We just need to understand that. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of our God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Some translation says to glory and virtue. By which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through this you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So the moment a man becomes born again and born of God, it carries a divine nature. It becomes a partaker of the divine nature. And any one of us who have had that genuine experience, actually, we are no longer just ordinary human beings, which will be the next point I'm making. 
but we have a divine nature, the very nature of God in us. And that nature needs to be nurtured. You can have a nature, if it is not nurtured, you will not be different from those who don't have that nature. Let's say somebody is born by, you know, somebody has gene to be tall, but you are not eating the right kind of food, you will be stunted. Not because you don't have the DNA for tallness, it's simply because you don't, you have not put yourself in an environment to nurture that gene into what that gene should be. Is the point I'm making clear? And that's the way the nature of God in us is. Why we have not seen ourselves in the category, in the realm that God is speaking, is not because of nature, it's because of nurture. And that is why by the time you then go to 2 Peter, you don't need to read it. Verse 3, verse eight, uh, chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, he says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we are God because we carry God's nature. But carrying a nature does not necessarily result in an experience of all that that nature bequeaths to us, except there is growth in grace, except there is growth in knowledge. And that is what God is doing for us at this season, helping us to know who we are, nurturing us in his word, feeding us in his word, that we may rise up, grow to become who he has already called us to be so that we will no longer be ordinary. That's the first point we are making this morning. Brothers and sisters, to see ourselves as gods, there must be a commitment to growth, a commitment to nurturing the nature of God that is in us. Several of us, the nature of God in us is actually inhibited. The nature of God in us is underdeveloped. It's immature. And that's why Paul was talking in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 from verse 1. He said, I cannot talk to you as spiritual people, but as canal, because you still live as mere men, which means a people who ought to be manifesting the nature of God in them can actually fail to do so because of nurturing. He said, therefore, I fed you with milk and not meat. Brothers and sisters, we must grow from just baby Christians who are relying on, on who are relying on milk to a people who can take the truth of the word of God, even the even what people may say complex. That's why we cannot fail to teach this truth. No, because we'll be robbing ourselves of what needs to nurture us to bring us to who God wants us to be. is the point we are making clear. It's a sign of growth if you can understand this concept and begin to say, Lord, your nature in me must develop. I must not just live like mere man because of the grace, the DNA that I carry is beyond what ordinary men, fallen men has in them. Because Jesus Christ actually came to restore that us, to restore us that image and nature of God. May God give us understanding in Jesus' name. And this is who we are. Number two, maybe this is where we are going to end today. I thought we could go further, but because of this, let's just take number two. So the first thing, the sheer 
in the nature of God, the gods. We are talking about the chair in the nature of God. And if you do, then you are a god. All you need to do, all I need to do, is to ensure that that nature is nurtured, is developed. The growth is not stunted by exposing ourselves to the right kind of food, the right kind of spiritual nourishment, the right kind of environment. The next point we are making this morning is this. They are, because the second point follows the first one, they are supernatural beings. And I can put it another way and say, they are spirit beings. Because we draw our nature from his nature, we are not just ordinary beings. We have been translated from the realm of ordinary being to the realm of supernatural being to the realm of the spirit being. You may see yourself in this physical body, but really you are more than this physical body. You are more than this color. You are more than, you know, this physique. And I thank God for that uh, Genesis we read. He said male and female. So there's no issue of gender here. Gender does not count. In the expression of God's nature, gender counts nothing. Wow! I'm sure somebody will jump up and say, is that so? And that's the truth. So that where men are failing to manifest the divine nature, women can do it. There's no age barrier. Where older generation are failing to show it, the younger generation can do it. Honestly, something has been staring in me, and I'm, and I'm trusting God that God will help all of us with what we are hearing in Jesus' name. I know it's going to spark something in the heart of some of us, and we will never remain the same again in Jesus' name. Because this is meant for our transformation. They are supernatural beings. They are not mere men. So the gods are supernatural beings. If you want to put in bracket in front of the spirit being, how do I know that? Turn with me to John chapter 4, verse 24. We said we draw our nature from east. Let's look at what, what the scripture says about the being of God and what it says about us. So that we will know that even the second bird, the being born again, has become a slang. It should not be a slang. It's a reality that has happened to us. It's a reality. It is something unique that has happened to us. It is meant to be a revolution. John 4, 24. Can somebody read it? John 4, 24. As we close, just give me five more minutes. Close. God, just give me five more minutes. God is spirit. And his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Amen. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. 
We will get to understand this better because last week I did say something to us that verse 1 of Psalm 82 says, God presides over the assembly of gods. Did you remember I said that? He rules, he judges among gods, the mighty one, and you are. So if God dwells among the gods, then you are more than physical. Because it takes spirit to connect with spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. We cannot relate with God from the fleshly point of view. And so something has to happen to us for us to be able to enjoy the fellowship of the spirits. Fellowship in the spirits. And it happened. It did happen. What did I say? It actually happened. God had to change us. And as believers, we are actually spirit beings having a soul and living in a body. So we are made an intellectual being. There are intellectual beings, great intellectual beings. <laughs> and of course, all of us who are still in this physical body, we know people can touch us, people can feel us. But beyond that, we are a spirit being who just live in this outward tabernacle, like Paul called it. How do I know that? John chapter 3, verses 5 to 8. As we read that, I think I'll begin to find a place where to land. Because this must take us into something. Maybe just one more scripture after that. I could read more, but we can always come to that later. To tell us that, no, we are not supposed to just be where we are. Maybe two scriptures, really, just to tie it together. Yes, who's going to read those verses for me? John chapter 3, verses 5 to 8. Jesus, to answered, John chapter 3, verses 5 to 8. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. You should not be surprised at my saying. Go on. You should not be surprised at my saying. You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Amen. Thank you very much, my sister, for that reading. Now, can you see that? So he said, those who are born of the flesh, they are flesh. Of course, when we are born by our parents, we are born of flesh. So we are flesh. Everybody can see us. Having been born by the spirit, we are actually spirit. See, he didn't say they will be spiritual. He said they are spirit first. Wow, you are spirits, and I am spirits. And that's why we can connect with God. And he said, the, those who are born of the spirit are like the wind. You know, you, you feel them, you know that they are there, but you can't tell where they are going and where they are coming. That tells you, we, we are talking about a realm beyond the human, normal human realm. We are talking about a people who are in themselves mysterious. <laughs> 
Hallelujah. So we are not just ordinary beings. We have been translated into the realm of spirit. Because we have been born of spirit, we are spirit. Our spirit man is alive, and we ourselves, we are spirit being. We only live in a physical body, having our faculties, our mind. Amen. The simple implication of that is this. If we are supernatural being, spirit being, then we cannot then be live as mere men. We can't just be confined to the realm of the limitation of mere men. We are to live at a realm higher than normal, other than ordinary being, ordinary people. We are, we are to operate at a realm higher than them. If we are spirit being, we should operate in the realm of the spirit. Galatians tell us, if you live in the spirit, then let us, let us walk in the spirit. So we are talking at a realm, a life that is higher than the realm of ordinary being, higher life. I like the way uh, the way uh, the Christ Embassy puts it in one of their or in one of their destinies, they say higher life, because it is meant to be higher than the realm of the mere men. That is what God has called us to. That is who we have. We still struggle with the things other people struggle with. We still live daily. Yes, there are physical challenges, but actually our realm of, of spiritual operation should be higher than, than them. The realm where people wonder, are they human beings at all? Jesus demonstrated that for us. But we are likely to say, but it's Jesus. But as we go on in this teaching, you will know that it's not just about Jesus. It's a, it should be about all of us. All of us. All of us. Our realm of operation should be higher than the realm of ordinary people. The story in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. In that story, you remember the Jesus said, let us go to the other side. The storm came and the disciples were panicking and Jesus was, you know, he was sleeping. They, wake him, they woke him up. And when he woke up, he simply rebuked him. He said, peace be still. And the wind and the sea, they obey him. And the people said something. Verse 41. Can somebody read that for me? Mark 4, 41. The statement they made is actually where it were the realm all of us should be operating. We should be a people whose presence actually brings about experiences that are beyond the ordinary. If we have developed the nature that we have, then we should be operating at the realm God has called us to, the realm of the Spirit. Yes, verse 41. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They were terrified. They were amazed. They were shocked to their mind. Who is this? That even the wind and the sea, they are subject to him. They obey him. That is the realm where God wants us to operate. Where natural things are subject to us. Where 
natural things that terrify people become subject to us. That is the kind of people God has created us to be. I know you'll be wondering, but why? We have said it. Growth, development, proper nurturing. Even this, this kind of message we are hearing today, we need to grow in them to be able to operate in that realm. I can count men who have operated in that realm to you. Men who have operated in that realm and who are still operating in that realm. Do we want just to live the ordinary, normal fleshly life? Or because we carry the nature of God in us, want to rise to the realm of the supernatural, the realm of the spirit being that we have. So today, as we pray, because I want us to bow down our heads now as we pray, at what realm do we want to live? At what realm do we want to operate? Do we want our the nature of God in us to be at the first, you know, at that underdeveloped level? Or do we want to rise to the level where actually natural things are subject to us?